You are listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Pastor Terry Riley, titled The Shepherd, Part 2, from the series Hearing from God. For more info, please visit creekside.org. Take your Bibles there and turn to the 23rd Psalm. <clears throat> As I started the series on hearing God, I knew I was going to do one week on the 23rd Psalm, but I'd never studied it before. And the more I get into it, I mean, I've used it at funerals and drew a couple of thoughts out, but the more I kind of studied it, the more I thought, well, there's probably some things here that might help some of us, and uh, because it's such a beloved passage. And so I'm taking today, and I was going to cover a couple of more points. Actually, I was going to finish it today. And then I sense that maybe uh, this part that I'm going to talk about today might need just a little bit more time, maybe a little massaging into some people's lives. So uh, we'll be finished either next week or the week after. Uh, I'm going to focus on one verse, the next verse today. Um, but I want to read the whole psalm. It's just it's so powerful and so precious in terms of the things and heart of Jesus. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I lack. May have wants, but there's nothing you'll ever lack. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters, and he renews my life. And he leads me along the right path for his name's sake. That's the verse we're going to look at today. He renews or he restores my life and he leads me along the right paths for his namesake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me, or some of your translations will say only goodness and mercy will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Heavenly Father, you've declared that your word is eternal. You've declared that it's alive and that it's living and that it cuts to the most inner parts of our lives. And I pray that at some point today it would do the same for each one of us. I ask, Lord, for your touch upon it. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to see that the shepherd, he provides restoration. It says that he restores my soul. Have you ever noticed how we all need to have our soul restored periodically? I believe it's ongoingly. You know why? Because life is, well, it's tough. Uh, we, we can get beat up by discouragement and depression and despair. I mean, that's an incredible trifecta that so many of us have to deal with day in and day out. And we can get beat up with those three dynamic Ds. But there's also, we, we, we can get beat down by hurts from our past, wounds that we carry, fears that follow us, battle scars that come. Now, all of these things that we're talking about are emotional things. Where do they reside? They reside in our soul. 
And here in, in, in Psalm 23, verse 3, he talks about he renews, he restores my soul. He wants to come and deal with this inner place of our being. See, we all understand, and I'm going to do a, seri- a full series on this sometime where I talk about body, soul, and spirit. Most of us understand the part of the body. That's that physical part. It's what we see. It's what we work with. And probably some of us would go, yeah, I probably need to give it just a little more attention. I need to drop a few pounds. I need to, you know, um, cut back on some of the things that I eat because of cholesterol or whatever it is. We understand that. And so some of us, we, we work on that. Some of us are going to be. Um, and then there's also the spirit. That's that inner part. That's the thing that gets quickened and becomes alive in Christ through the presence of the Holy Spirit when we engage and we decide to follow Christ. And most of us understand how that works. How do we develop our spirit? Well, we eat right there too. We take in, a, as Jeremiah said, thy words did I find and I ate them. We have this uh, intake and digestion and feeding on God's word to build our spirit. We pray to God. We spend time in prayer with God to build our spirit. We spend time in relationship and, and community with the body. We engage in service because we know that's what Jesus did. He came to serve, not to be served. So all of those things build our, our, our spirit. But then we got this third part. He says the good shepherd, Jesus, he wants to restore our soul. What's our soul? Well, the soul is that inner part of us. We very seldom talk about it, and that's part of a life problem because it's usually our soul that breaks down and gives us sometimes the biggest issues in our life because that's where, it's it's like the shock absorber. It's what comes, it's when when pain comes to your life, when betrayal, when difficult things come, when when words come, when all of these things come to attack us, frustrations and fears and failures, they, they, they kind of attach themselves to our soul, our inner person. And what have we learned to do as people, especially men? Suck it up. Be strong. Clint Eastwood, John Wayne, those are our role models in how to deal with it. I mean, we just strap it on and mosey on out and keep going. But what you find over time is that doesn't necessarily work. It begins to affect everything around you. And so we're not really clear on what the soul is, but that's our emotional being. That's the thing that really takes all the battle scars, the pain, and the hurts from the past. You know, we, I, could, I, could, I could just begin to list them. Some of us have been betrayed in marriage. Some of us grew up with parents who were abusive, and uh, they, they, they either abused us, or maybe some of us, we experienced abandonment from parents. They weren't there. They were gone, literally and or figuratively. Maybe some of us have been betrayed by people around us that have been close to us. Smile on our, you know, they'll smile at us while they're sticking us in the bed. There's a lot of that stuff that, you know where that goes? That goes to the soul of who you are. And I love that because the good shepherd says, you know something? Once you follow me, the spiritual journey started. Now I want to touch those inner places in your life and I want you to know I'm going to be with you. How does he do that? Well, I think there's a couple of very few areas that God will always deal with to bring healing to those inner places. Probably the first area is he'll deal with 
um, your guilt. And I want to come back to that in a second, but he'll deal with your grief. There are people in this room that have experienced deep depths of grief in recent seasons. When I say recent seasons, it could be five years. You've had people who, who have left you. You've had people who have died that you loved. Um, I know people have had multiple people die, and their grief just seems to get layered and compounded on your soul, and you wonder, how can I keep going? Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I'm here for you. Sometimes it's grudges. These people that have hurt us, I just enumerated a couple of them, but sometimes there's people out there that have hurt us deeply. And that accumulates, and we can put the smile on, and that's usually uh, an unhealthy church. We just, uh, you know, when you go to a church that everybody's just smiling, but they can't be real. That's not healthy. That's what I love about Creekside. For the most part, I think we're pretty real. But you've got to be able to share that. You've got to be able to be vulnerable and open with the living God. Because a lot of us, we've been following Christ for many years, but there's well, excuse the term, but a spiritual constipation to our life that is built up because we've never said and invited the good shepherd Jesus into our heart and our life in that sole area to bring healing. And so we just continue to carry that. And it starts to stink and it starts to produce difficult areas in our lives. And Jesus says, you know something, when you've really understood what I've done for you as the good shepherd, guess what will happen? You'll begin to be able to release those things. <clears throat> and then there's the last one, it's guilt. This is what God comes to do. He says, I want to restore your soul. Because see, a lot of people fall into two categories. You, it's easy for some to blame other people and become a victim or you can take responsibility for the things in your life and become victorious. But sometimes when we take too much responsibility, we, we can beat ourselves up too. See, subconsciously we set ourselves up because we really believe that we can pay for our sin and our failure, don't we? I got to make it up. Can guilt make you sick? Absolutely. Remember what David said in Psalm 32 and in Psalm 51? He used this picturesque language when he was carrying this guilt for his adultery and for the murder of, of Uriah. He's carrying this, and he says things like this. My, I can feel my life draining out of me, words to that effect. My, my, my bones are brittle. And you just begin to read about how difficult it was for him to carry this thing of guilt and sin. Can, can guilt set yourself, set yourself up for failure? Absolutely. How many successful people have you ever seen that, and they're just on this kind of a, an up and to the right trajectory, and all of a sudden, the thing blows up? A lot of times that can be based on a couple of things. It can be based on guilt. You know why? Because you begin to believe you do not deserve to have success or succeed. A guy by the name of Stephen Berglis wrote a book on this years ago. And he was talking about all of these people. If I mentioned the names, you'd be familiar with them. But he, he did a lot of research on this. And he began to see a lot of these people, what happens is, especially in the public arena, is they begin, their, their, uh, their, their popularity and their success begins to exceed their fame, excuse me, um, their self-esteem. 
and all of a sudden they can't handle it. So it's almost as if under the guilt of the success and the, what they don't feel like they, de they, they deserve, they'll sabotage it. People do that in relationships. People do it in all arenas of life. Because we don't feel sometimes like we deserve to succeed. Well, how do you get rid and deal with guilt in your life? Well, some people do it this way. They deny it. It doesn't exist. Hey, you've seen the bumper sticker. It says, screw guilt. No such thing. Try it. Doesn't work. How about this one? You can bury the past, but that doesn't work because if it's still alive, it will resurrect itself. Just about the time you think it's buried, guess what? It comes back. And nobody else sees it, but on the screen of your mind, it pops up, and you've got to deal with it. A lot of people try and minimize it. That's oh, no big deal. I mean, that's sin. I know, man, it wasn't that big a deal. Oh, then why do you still remember it and recall it and bring it up? Because it's never really been dealt with. And this begins to do soul damage on us. None of those things work. The word restore has the idea of being converted, changed into something else, doesn't it? Ultimately, there's only one solution to our guilt, and there's really only one true solution to our grief and to our grudges, and that's coming to Jesus Christ who can release it and who can remove it from our lives. Romans 3, 23 and 24 says this, For all have sinned. I would have you do this, but it's kind of uncomfortable. But all is all, all of us. It's me and you and that person next to you. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yet, here's the, here's the corollary, here's the positive. Yet God justifies freely, makes us right freely by grace, getting something we don't deserve through the redemption that Jesus Christ gave us. Redemption is almost a word kind of like restore, to bring us back to where we were or where we should be. This is the most basic truth of Christianity, is that Jesus has already paid for all of your sins. Everything you've ever done wrong has been paid for on the cross. Now, for some of you, you go, well, yeah, this is pretty elementary, but I don't want us to forget it as a church. Because one of the callings, loved ones, that we have is to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ out there. And if you don't know what the good news is, which is really what the gospel, it's the gospel is good news. If you don't know what it is, you can't share it. And that's what we're called to be a part of doing. And I'll explain why in a minute. Because as you follow the good shepherd Jesus, we know what? John 10 tells us that he laid down his life for us. Why? So your guilt can be removed. There's no other way. No psychologist can do it. He can make you feel better. He can put a soul bandage on it, but he can't remove this elemental issue of sin and guilt. A doctor can't do it. He can help you. He can encourage you, maybe give you a pill, but he can't do it. It can only happen through the one, the creator God, who said, I'm going to create you, and then I'm going to give my life for you so you can have a purposeful, restored life. I don't know what anybody in this room has done. Well, maybe a couple of you. You shared with me. But here's the deal. Your forgiveness is never based on how bad you've been, but it's always based on how good this gracious God in heaven is and what he has done for us. The value has been set because he says, I love Adam and I love Michelle 
and I love Toby, and I love Sally, and I love Sophia, and I love Johnny so much that I will give my life for them. Is that incredible value or what? And see, loved ones, we can never forget that truth. So how do you receive that? How do you receive God's forgiveness? You trust him. Listen, you can't beg, you can't barter, you can't bargain, you can't bribe God. You have to believe and accept Jesus Christ that he is this free gift that God says, here, this is how you are pardoned and taken care of. That's why it's such good news. It's a free gift that we get to accept. Now hear me, because Jesus Christ, once we start on that journey, he wants to heal those hurts and those pains. Here's the problem with a lot of Christ followers is we think that like salvation comes in an instant when a person responds to Jesus Christ. That is instantaneous. But from then on, everything else is a journey. The destination is heaven when the fullness of all of our healing and recovery comes. But until then, we're on this journey. And some of us, our souls have been deeply marred and scarred. And it's going to take much longer to heal. Some of it's more fresh. It could have been yesterday for some of you. And you just come in here today saying, God, help me. Some of us, we've been on a journey of healing for a long time. And you're thinking, God, when's this pain going to go away? Stay on the journey. Everybody's different. Some people are more resilient. Some people can move forward more quickly. Some people can experience the healing of the good shepherd more quickly. But never give up. Stay on the journey with Jesus. He will restore your soul if you let him. And see, that's one of the reasons I think, just thinking about this, one of the reasons that some people never get healed is because they never identify really where the pain is. It's just kind of out there. It's in your soul. Psalm 42, verse 5. Some people deal with issues of depression. And um, let me just say something very quickly about this. I always want to preface this when I talk about depression. There's two kinds of depression. I believe that there's more of a clinical depression that really is a medical issue that has to be dealt with, oftentimes with medication. And I believe there's other depression that is depression of soul where a lot of times we can move out of it. We can make decisions not to be engulfed by it. And I, 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 I will never determine what that is for each person. I just know there's a lot of pastors that are totally against taking medication for something like that. I am not a pill popper for it and a proponent of it other than to say it's a reality physiologically, I believe, in some people's lives that they have to have that because I've dealt with a number of Creeksiders through the years here. Once they decided to finally get beyond the spiritual aspect of it, tried everything, they did take some medication and it changed their life. Now, I say that because I don't want you to think I'm some half-beamed-up preacher that doesn't believe that there are mental and physiological issues that we have to deal with as much as physical issues. Does that make sense? Okay, that's, but, but here at Psalm 42, we see David, he's probably writing when he's on the run from his son Absalom, who has done an insurrection against him, who has revolted against him, and is t- trying to take over the throne. 
to the point where, where David is literally run out of Jerusalem in the palace. A number of scholars believe that David wrote this possibly at that time. So he's probably experiencing not only some frustration, downtrodden time, but also some depression. And this is what he writes. Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. Some translations say, put your trust in God. Now remember, David was, as a psalmist, he's the one that wrote Psalm 23. And in writing Psalm 23, he's talking about the shepherd. When he was a little boy and God called him, what was he doing? He was shepherding on some hill, taking care of the family sheep. Now, as he says this, he says, why so cast down, O my soul? This would have been a word that a shepherd would have clearly understood about being cast down because it's a position that sheep get themselves into when they can't get up. Notice this picture here. This here is a cast down sheep. Remember, we talked about all the characteristics of sheep a couple of weeks ago, yeah, it looks like it's cute, like you want to just go rub its little belly, huh? But that's not what's happening here. This is what would be called a cast-down sheep. Remember, they got this big belly, skinny, skinny little legs. Once they hit this position on their back, they can't get up by themselves. And some significant things begin to happen. Have you ever had your foot go to sleep or your leg? And then all of a sudden you tried to get up and what happened? It didn't work, did it? Well, that's what happens then. The circulation uh, leaves their legs. And then pretty soon, because of the pressure of being on their back, gases begin to build up in their stomach. And then it makes it even harder. They, they just can't roll over. And then that gas and all that pressure begins to uh, put pressure on their lungs and internal organs where in a number of hours they could ultimately suffocate if they're not turned right side up. So here it is. Why so downcast? Why so cast down? Oh, my soul. On a hot day, a sheep in this position could die in a matter of hours. They can't do anything about it. You know what they need? They need a shepherd. See, when a shepherd comes and he restores a cast down sheep, he's going to take his time. He's going to walk up to this little sheep that's laying on its back, helpless and hopeless. And the first thing he's going to do, he's going to massage its little legs. He's going to work to get some circulation just moving back into it. And then he's going to begin to talk to it in very calm tones. See, remember what we're talking about, hearing God. See, this is so important because in John we've talked about, it says that my sheep hear my voice. We can hear his voice of the great shepherd. And so he's going to come, because remember I said last couple weeks ago, bent ear. If this is a little bent ear, the shepherd might come up and just start moving, massaging his legs. He's going, oh, a little bent ear. Here, let me just, let me just, just the shepherd's here. I'm here. And he will recognize the voice. And he'll begin to massage the legs. And then pretty soon what he'll do is he'll roll them over on his stomach, all the while holding them underneath. Probably get some of the air out, but also to begin to give that sheep enough time to, 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 to move from those wobbly legs so that there's circulation and it can begin to move. And then as soon as he's finished, he'll let that little sheep go. But do you catch the care of the shepherd there? That's what David's saying. That's, that's our shepherd. 
What a picture of what Jesus does for us. When you're on your back, man, your legs are flailing and you're bleeding out with uncertainty and you're overwhelmed and you think you're going to die in that position, the shepherd says, would you listen? I'm right here. I'm right here with you. Listen. And he wants to come. And I believe for some of you this morning, he wants to come with some reassuring words. He wants to minister to your life. He wants to speak to those dark, difficult places of the soul that have been scarred and hurt and you've kind of just put a smile on it or a band-aid over it. And he wants to begin to speak into it. See, Jesus Christ, loved ones, wants to restore your soul. If you've been cast down for any reason, if you can't get back up on your feet, he restores your soul. He restores your confidence and ultimately your joy and your peace and your strength. Was, I think a week ago, I was sitting there and Trina and I were going to go out somewhere and she comes out and she's looking really good, but she's got these holy je- jeans with holes on them. I go, <laughs> and, they're, <clears throat> and, they're, and they're faded. And I go, well, honey, we're going out. You're going to wear them? Oh, man, all the, all the girls are wearing these. These are hot now, you know, and these are nice. And so I didn't say this, but my first thought was, how much did I pay for those things? <laughs> I, could have, I could have ripped them up for you and probably saved $30. But isn't that interesting how we do that now? We take all this stuff. You know what we do? What do we do? We restore cars and we repurpose homes. Loved ones, never forget this. We can make all of these things look new and good. Only God, the living God, can restore a soul. No person can. No bank account can. Only the living God. And here's the deal. When God repurposes you and does only what he can do in your soul, he will do it for his high purposes. Well, notice what he says next. I'm going to come back to this at the end, but I want to see what he says next. He says, he leads me along the right paths. Some of your translations say, he leads me along paths of righteousness. It's usually some of the older translations. Nothing wrong with that. But probably the best translation really, really is right paths. Once you become righteous, not because of what you do, but because of what Christ has done, you become righteous when you come into Jesus Christ. And when you do that, his say, he, he, he says, I want to lead you into right paths for a couple of reasons. Number one, right paths will be part of the paths of healing for your life. Secondly, it will keep you from doing further damage if you follow the right paths. How many of us would say, a lot of the damage in my life is due to the decisions I've made, the actions that I've taken, the beliefs that I've held, the attitudes that I've had. And we begin to understand how that works together. And Jesus says part of this healing is to change the way you think and the way you move and the way you have your being and the where the places you're going to go. I don't know about you, but I always think I can figure it out. I mean, you know, hey, listen, I've been in this world for a few decades now, so I'm pretty, pretty, pretty smart. <laughs> and then I know I'm really not. P. 
because it's always my paths get me in trouble. There's a man who went on a safari and he was going through this African jungle with a guide and he was really looking forward to this thing until he got into it. He went on a, as he was going on the safari, he was following this guide who was sitting there whacking away the weeds in the thick underbrush. And they're doing this for hours and hours in this African heat and this, and this traveler, I mean, he's just tired and he's weary. And finally, he starts asking the questions, where are you taking me? Where are we going? Do you know where you're going? What's happening? And he finally says, where's the path? And I love this. The guy goes, I'm the path. See, loved ones, when we really understand who the path is, when we understand who the guide is, it alleviates a lot of troubles for us. Don't, we, don't you ever ask some of those same questions of Jesus? Where are you taking me? Lord, where, where's the path? I see a cul-de-sac. I feel like it's a dead. Where, where are you going to take me? Where are we going to end up? Don't we feel like that? You know what? We're Americans. We're, 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 we're smart people. We kind of believe that we need to know 24-7 everything. You know, like, like God, why don't, you just, why don't you just give me a ticker tape printout in the morning? Why don't you give me a little to-do list in the morning? I know why God doesn't give me a to-do list in the morning, because if he did, I'd take it, and I'd see how many I could get crossed off in the first hour. And you know what that would do? It would, it would exempt me from having to sit before him in the morning and say, God, help me today. Show me. Let me hear your voice. Would you cut away the weeds and whack out the underbrush of what I'm going to face today? See, even, even if he did give us more day by day, we probably still wouldn't be able to comprehend the purposes behind it. And we'd still want to seek our own paths, wouldn't we? So rather than giving us answers, what does Jesus do? He says, here, I'm going to give you myself. I'm going to be your good shepherd that's going to speak. I'm going to be the Lord of your life that gives. Notice what he says, Jesus, when he, one of the greatest revelations he says in John 14, 6, when his disciples are concerned about what's going to happen with their lives in Jesus, Jesus says very clearly, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Want to find your way? Follow me. Need to know the full truth of whatever's going on? Listen to me. You want true life? Here I am. And then he goes on to say in Matthew, he says, and here's some of you need to hear this. I am with you always to the very end of the age. Why so downcast, oh my soul? Do you like that? I do, but not really. I'd like the to-do list. But I was thinking about this. Or if he gave me a to-know list, would I really like that? I don't think so. I don't think I could handle it. Because I don't know what's coming tomorrow. Do you? Every one of us is one phone call, one day away from a loss that we would never want or expect. 
from sickness that we hope we would never get, from a financial shortfall we're not prepared for, for a job change that sideswipes us, from a relative, a loved one, taking a downward turn. None of those are easy and none of us will be exempt from them. That's why we got to hear the shepherd's voice and not the world. Some of us kind of hear too much of the world. Told this before, but in the early 80s, I wanted to go see this pastor who wrote a book that shaped my life. And he was in Gresham, Oregon, a large church. I kind of did the guy thing. You know what the guy thing is when you're traveling somewhere, you don't really know where? You got an idea. So I knew I was going to Gresham, Oregon. And I figured, you know, it's, it's, there's a 20-mile radius. I can find it. And uh, this is before GPS, for those of you who don't know that. This was in the early 80s. No GPS. So I just, I'll get over there and I'll find it. So I drive over there and I did what I would usually do. I stop at a gas station. I say, hey, could you tell me where East Hill Church is? And they, oh, that big church? Oh, yeah, everybody goes there. And, um, and he starts to tell me, and, you know, it kind of goes like this. Well, listen, you go up about a quarter mile, take a right, you're going to see a big tree, big tree. You can't miss that tree. And it's going to be right there. You take a right there, and then you're going to go about another uh, probably eighth of a mile, take a left, take a left right there. Okay, it's the first left. There's no other left. Just take that first left and then go straight. You're going to go two miles. And then all of a sudden, you're going to come to a four-way stop, and there's going to be this billboard, and it's got a babe on it. She, uh, she's selling milk, and she's beautiful. You won't miss her, so watch for her. And then you're going to take another left, and you're going to go about another quarter of a mile, and then you're going to come into the city. You know, you're just going to start coming into the city. This church is downtown, you know, so you'll be able to find it. So stop there, take another left, and then you're going to go left for about a quarter of a mile, and then go right, and blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm doing? I'm going, mm-hmm, yeah, sure, okay, <laughs> right, because I'm not stupid. So I walk into my car, and I go, go up, take a right, hit the big tree, take a left, the only left you can go and get to that stop sign, excuse me, get to that billboard with the pretty girl and see if you can stop somewhere else and ask somebody else. <laughs> you ever do that? I forgot to say this first service. But behind me was a guy. He goes, hey, I'm going to church there. Want to follow me? I had a guide. It made it so much easier. I didn't have to remember, go up, take a right, hang a left at the pretty girl and see the big tree and all of that. See, hear me, loved one, serious. I know that sounds like, oh, yeah, well, that doesn't happen in spiritual life. Yes, it can. If you begin to live with this constant awareness of the life of God in Christ Jesus through the presence of the Holy Spirit, He wants to lead us this way. But He's not going to tell us months in advance. He will prepare us months in advance for things. But you won't understand it probably until you get there. He knows the right paths. I want to follow him. I don't want to just hear the voice of a stranger, go right, take a left, hope you find it. There's a thematic theme, friends, that's woven throughout the scripture of God's word. And it's called these words, renew, restore, redeem. To bring back to original place or condition. That's what those words mean. We've seen that in cars. They they come off the assembly line. Years and years of 
of whatever. They, they get beat up and run down and marked up. And then all of a sudden, somebody restores it, redeems it, brings it back to its original place. Here's the idea, though, in Scripture. When God talks about that, that's exactly what he wants to do is bring us to our original place. But here's the kicker. He's got an additive. He says, not only that, but I want to make it better. I want to make it better. For, I want you to be better. You go, what do you mean? Remember Job? Dude has everything. Great family, money, cattle, everything. He's worshiping God. He gets destroyed and depleted. He's got nothing. His wife finally said, just kill yourself. Just give up and curse God and kill yourself. Not a good situation. And then you keep going, and God works in this process after losing everything. And in chapter 42, what happens? Everything is restored. Plus tenfold. Ezekiel's talking to God's people, and he says, there's going to come a day. You've got hard hearts. You've got hearts of stone. But God's going to replace it. And it's not just going to be a heart of stone. It's going to be a heart of flesh where there's this tenderness and there's ability to hear and to know Jesus Christ, the great shepherd. That's where we are today, loved ones. That's so much better. The latter was always more significant than the former with God. Hear me. Look at me, please. This is a word for some of you. You don't believe it. But the very word of God today says, I want you to understand your latter days are going to be better than your former. But you have to believe it and you have to begin to embrace it and walk in it. Isn't it interesting that we pay more money today for repurposed and reclaimed wood and metals? These things that have gone through a process of stressing and marking, and weathering, and aging. And yet, it's those very designs that we will pay greater money for. Hear me. This is what you need to know. Some of you have got some deep markings on your soul. Some of you have got some deep stains on your heart. Some of you have got some brokenness that you have thought, how can I ever recover from this? How can I move forward to it and through it? And I want, to hear you, I want you to hear today, there's a loving God, his name is Jesus Christ, who's the good shepherd who says this, I come to restore your soul. And you will be more valuable in your latter days than you are today if you will embrace it and allow trust me and believe me and walk with me and hear my voice.